Let's open our Bibles to the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, a very short book in the New Testament. You find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You'll come to this short letter written by the Apostle Paul to the believers at Thessalonica. I want to express again appreciation to Dustin and Kristen and the way you've poured life into this place and helping us and chapel and life building and here in the worship center and so faithful and so encouraging to us and we love y'all and uh, thank you for just you've given life here and so very grateful um, it's always good when for me personally as a dad to have my kids back and so um, Maddie's here this morning and and uh, Maddie lives in North Alabama in the in Tuscumbia, Alabama, where Carla was born and raised, and she's getting married in September, and she's here for a wedding shower today at our church, and and uh, so great to see Maddie and Brett, and Brett's mom is here. Maddie's future mother-in-law is here. I've noticed they're not sitting beside each other right now, but I think everything's okay, and and um, but uh, today's Amanda's birthday, and Amanda, happy birthday to you from the church family at Watkinsville. Last Sunday, when I got back, I came early to the property. It had been four weeks since I had been here on a Sunday, and I thought when I got here, I just want to drive around on the property and pray and pray for the morning and the people that would be gathering here. And so I, I drove past the house my office is and on past the church just looking at the property, and I entered the lower drive and came up near the children's building and just looking around and thinking about the day and got back to my office and I and I noticed two things in my mind number one nobody was here and number two the sign was gone the church sign out by the roads gone and I thought I've been gone four weeks and they sold the place yeah I just uh, what's going on here today and I started playing in my mind about that person that was here the first time last Sunday and they go back to work on Monday, and they and, and somebody's like, well, "What'd you do yesterday?" I went to church. Well, uh, where'd you go? Who, who, what church? Is I have no idea. I, I don't know who they are. I just I was there. There's no name anywhere, but I, I heard the songs. Heard the, I think it was church. Uh, but no no name, um, and you know that that church sign. Just a little history. Um, when I came here to be pastor in fall of 2000, uh, the Church folks gave me three sets of keys. They gave me a key to the church building, a key to the van, and a key to the church sign. Uh, the church sign was a, a sign that had these plexiglass windows on it and a lock at the bottom. You lift it up and you're working under there. And uh, laying out there, this is some deep history, all right? Laying out there by the church sign was this like eight foot long post, a two by two post. And when you unlock those plates of glass windows, you lift, they weigh about 25 pounds, and you lift them up, and you take that post and prop it up under uh, that plexiglass sign to hold it up so I could get in under there and, and change the sign. And uh, one day, I turned and I bumped that post, all right? And that post came out from under that plexiglass window, and it was a supernatural event happened right by the road. My, I moved faster than I've ever moved in my life. My hand just flew up, and I caught that thing before it caught me in the back of the neck. And, and I thought, you know what? Just, it was so close to 
you coming by here and I would have looked like a Saturday morning mouse in a trap. I mean, it would just, I'd imagine somebody would just be like, why is the pastor's feet sticking out of the sign right now? And I almost died at the church sign. But the, then we put generations on it. Some of you were here when the sign just said generations because the letter, it wouldn't hold letters anymore. And then one day, Jason Dominey, I mean, he's just, he can do everything. He built a wooden frame for the sign, ordered the letters, and built the sign. And for years, the sign that we had out by the road, they had just lifted up and set a frame down over the old sign. It was crazy. If you think we just throw money around around this place, it, it, ain't, it don't happen, all right? And uh, it probably, what, it cost you $1,000 maybe, less than that, to just build a brand new sign. Well, a storm got a hold of it, and we've nailed it and nailed it. And, uh, but it's gone now, and if you leave today, you still don't know where you are, but we're close uh, to knowing where you are, and the rock and stack stone is there, and I just think some things, Lynn Chandler, some things take 21 years to happen, and uh, we're close to having a new sign out there, and all of that it just brings me to this question. You may know where you are, but the question I want to ask you this morning is, who are we? Even though you know where you are, do you know who you are? And so for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about who we are again. Some of you heard it before. Some of you can preach this message. So who are we again? Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I go to this passage. It's, it's the book of the Bible I'm reading through this month in our church plan and but in verse 3 down through verse 10, Paul celebrates who the church at Thessalonica was. And as you read through Thessalonians, what you find is not a book of rebuke. You have to look hard for him to say anything that is remotely wrong with the church at Thessalonica. But what he sees in them, he celebrates, and then he says to them, I see what you're doing, and I want you to do it more and more. I want you to elevate what you're doing. I want you to do it more. And in verse 3, listen to how he talks about the church at Thessalonica. He says, we give thanks to God always for all of you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This was Paul celebrating the church at Thessalonica. 
And when you read through this, you see him, how he prays for them without ceasing. And then he highlights who they were. He says, I, I hear, I'm remembering, I'm, I'm celebrating your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope. So, well, they probably had it easy. No, he goes on, he talks about how they had heard the word in a time of affliction. They were suffering. They were going through hard days. And even in the hard days, they still, they remained working by faith and laboring in love and steadfast in hope. And Paul's celebrating that. And he goes on, he said, what I see in you is that the Holy Spirit did a work. The Spirit of God did a work in you. Brought full conviction, brought joy. And, and you've, become, you've become a model for other churches. And wherever we go, Paul said, wherever we go, when we start talking about church and Jesus, people bring up the church at Thessalonica and they, they talk about how you're encouraging them. And then I love this picture at the end where he's talked about the example they set, the model that they had become, their, their, their view, their perspective, their look was on the return of Christ. It, it says, you turn from God to idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven. In all of their affliction, in all of their everyday life, in being an example to other believers, where was their gaze? They were anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture of a local church. And it got me thinking about this day and this Sunday and where we are, and I thought, what if... What if the letter was to us today? And I stood before you and I said, I got a letter this week. It's, it's come from the Apostle Paul. And he's heard about our church and he's writing to us about our church. And I thought, what might he say? And so for the next few minutes, I want to, to, to share with you what God's doing through us and with us. And talk about who we are as a church as we head into this fall season. And I want to give you these statements with a phrase that's consistent. And it's this phrase. We are a people. We are a people. Now I know in our common language, I'll probably say it. Probably have already said it. Uh, uh, we, we talk about, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. We, we put a sign on a piece of property and it marks where we meet. But you know that on a deeper level that when we talk about the church it's not just a place it's, it's a people and so if you talk about the Thessalonians you, you can't go to a building and say that's the Thessalonian church they were a people and, and you and I when Jesus comes back someday he will come back for his people he'll come back for his bride and, and so today I want you to let it settle in that we are a people. Uh, we've met in a lot of different places. Our church, Watkinsville, this people started with 10 people in the basement of a Methodist church in downtown Watkinsville. And out of that, they grew to about 70 and then built a building that's still in downtown Watkinsville, a white wooden structure just off of Main Street that somebody lives in now. 
And then somebody gave some property here at the corner of Norton Road and Simonton Bridge Road. And they built a building on this property. And the people started meeting in what we refer to now as the old youth room. But that was the original building on the property where people met for worship. And then we met in the chapel, and then we met in the life building, and then we met in the chapel and the life building, and we did multiple services. Now we meet in this worship center. Number one, we are a people with a purpose. We're a people with a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify God. In John 17, Jesus acknowledged, I have I have." glorified the Father. He comes and he talks about his ultimate purpose was as the Son of God to bring glory to his heavenly Father. And that settles in on us that our ultimate purpose as a church and as individuals is to bring glory to the Father, to glorify God. Now glorify is kind of a churchy word. We use it a lot. We sing it in songs. Uh, We talk about bringing glory to God, glorifying God. Um, What does glorify mean? When we talk about glorifying God, bringing glory to God, you're talking about making someone known. Making who someone is clear. To glorify God means to reflect who he is and to acknowledge who he is. To lift up who he is so that you can see who he is. And when we say, God, we glorify you, what we're doing is we're taking, uh, you take all of his attributes that make up who God is, and we, we, we praise him for those things. We live according to those things. And how does that translate into our life? You and I glorify God. That means that we take the name of God on our life. We take the name of Jesus on our life. As a church, we're a Jesus church. We're a church that worships God. We become walking billboards of who God is. We are living advertisements for who God is. And that's why it's so important. Listen, that's why it's so important for you not to separate your Monday from your Sunday. Because we're not just a church when we gather on this property on Sunday exalting Him. We're a church of people that disperse during the week out into a community in our workplace, in our school place, and in our communities. And so when we go there, we're to reflect who He is. We're to advertise who He is. And the world is to get an accurate picture of who God is because of the way we live bearing His name. As a church, we got to make sure that we have this reputation of who God is. As, as, a, as an individual, you, that you have this reputation of reflecting who God is. Whether it's Friday night or Saturday or a vacation or a work party or a work day or a retirement setting. We're, that you're, we're glorifying God. That's our purpose. Number two, we are a people with a mission. We seek to fulfill our purpose by accomplishing a mission. And our mission, we believe, is a church. Y'all encourage me right now. If you you know the mission of our church, we glorify God by what? What's the mission? Somebody say it. Amen. Amen. You've helped me. Some things take 21 years. I mean, it's just, it's, it's great to be able to get that feedback. 
Our, our mission is to make wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. That guides our decisions, it guides our budget, it guides the tools we use, it, it guides us in saying yes to some things or no to some things. We say, what's going to help us make wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ? Because we believe if we do that, we'll bring the greatest glory to God. Now, really what we're doing, when we say that we're making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ, really all of who we are is just an interpretation and an application of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. What is the Great Commission? Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. That's the Great Commission. But also there's the Great Commandment. And the great commandment was Jesus being asked, what's the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus said it's this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. In Matthew 22, another gospel, he adds strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So when you take the great commission to go and make disciples, and you take the great commandment to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's where we get the word wholehearted. And that's where we get the word followers. We're making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, we have a purpose, glorify God. We have a mission, wholehearted followers of Christ. Number three, we have values. We have values. And there are four of these. The word, relationships, generations, and mission. What are values? Values are buoys. Uh, values buoy us in a changing world. Values, they're, they're, they're guides for us. If the ship's going down, these four values are, are what we're not throwing overboard. And if the culture changes and, and, and society changes, these are four values that we don't lose. And the very first one is the word. So critical. Listen. You're living in a world right now where the world is saying to you that word that you call the Bible doesn't fit in our world anymore. It's a value. It's who we are. That's why from the beginning when we gather in this room, somewhere in the first 30 seconds, you're going to hear me say, let's open our Bibles. Let's open our Bibles. We, if we gather in youth, if we, even in our, in our nursery, the nursery workers and all the, the moving around parts of caring for children, somewhere in there, they're going to be speaking to our children words of Scripture. That Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. That foundation is laid early. The Word of God guides who we are. It's what we do. We don't have to, this fall, we didn't have to think about what are we going to do this fall? What are we going to teach? Here's what we're going to do this fall. We're going to teach the Bible. We're going to teach the Word. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to start with you through the book of Ephesians. And we're going to go chapter by chapter through the New Testament letter of Ephesians. It's, it's, it's the Word. Number two, relationships. We value relationships. 
My relationship with you, your relationship with me, your relationship with the person in your class here, your group here, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your co-workers. In a church body, we value relationships. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ came to reconcile us in the most important relationship of all. Jesus came to reconcile us to our Father. That means that meant he had to deal with sin that separates us from God. And he died to take that barrier away by grace through faith. And that relationship that is reconciled with us in heaven is to show itself in the flesh in how we work in relationships with other people. That's why it's not godly to live with a broken relationship with another person. We value relationships and we try to create environments where relationships will allow us to be known and to know others, to practice all of those one another statements that are in scripture like love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, bear with one another. And they go on and on and on. Number three is generations. And we value all generations from birth to the end of life. Look around this room this morning. There's some children in here. And, and uh, in, in the first hour, I, I, I said we, we had a baby start crying and somebody had to leave and carry the baby out. And, and, and I was like, we're, we're a place when we gather, you got babies crying and you got old men snoring. I mean, it's just, it, it happens in the room sometimes, okay? It happens. And, and it's just multiple generations. And that's why we would sing a new song this morning. That's why we would sing Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's this new song, old song, but all full of life. We value generations. I want to be quick to say that there's definitely a lean as we minister to all generations. We have a children's pastor. We, we have a senior adult director. We, we minister to all generations. But there is a definite lean to making sure we reach the next generation. When you look at our budget... It's, it's, it's top-heavy to, toward the younger you get here. And the, why is that? What about me? I'm, I'm getting into the old crowd. What about me? Scripture says, Psalm 145, to one generation shall commend his works to another generation. And for those of us that have had the opportunity to hear the gospel and the word of God over and over and over and over again for a number of years, we just feel like it's critical to make sure we lean to make sure that a younger generation come along has the opportunity to hear the gospel over and over and over and over again and that we pass the baton of what God has done and will do to the next generation. Don't ever apologize for trying to reach the next generation. They need the gospel. They need Jesus. Because I guarantee you the world is going after them with their news. We've got to make sure we go after them with the news, the good news. Come on, say amen. It's a good place right there. Now listen, we have a purpose. We have a mission. We have values. The last one is mission. Our, it's not a win. It's not a win for you to come here on a Sunday and take a seat for 60 minutes just looking forward to the next Sunday when you can come back and take a seat for 60 minutes. The win is not getting you 
in a seat. Now that's part of it. But the win is for us to live sent. It's a value. I hope that when you gather in this place, you feel a, a little tug of, I need to, I, I, there's something they want me to do. There's somewhere they want me to go. Live sent. Live sent. Live on mission. Now we have a purpose, a mission, we have values. Number four, we have a game plan. Uh, we're, we're, we're not just firing up into the air just hoping we, we hit a target. We want to be scoped in. We want to be laser, laser focused. We want to have a, a game plan, a strategy, if you will. And there are four words. Gather, equip, encourage, and send. It's happening right now. Right now. It's happening in our youth service. It's happening in the children. It's happening in adult classes. It's happening in this room. It happened at 9 o'clock. Our game plan. We gather. We gather. It's happening online. My dream and prayer and hope would be is that every person would be able to get back on property at some point. And no, that's not the case for everyone. There are some physical limitations even. But online, even, there's a gathering happening where people are hearing this message right now. We gather, we come together in person, and we get in a room like Hebrews 10, 25. It says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We gather, and then when we gather, what do we do? We equip the singing, the preaching, the fellowship, the teaching, the encouragement. It, it, it's, it's, it's meant to equip. It's meant to give us the tools and the strength to do the work of ministry, to serve other people. Stay with me. Listen. When I'm preaching this morning a big piece of what I'm thinking in this message is Lord I want to I want to give clarity to who we are as a church so that when we disperse people know who we are and know what we're supposed to be doing what is that it's equipping it's equipping you to do the work of ministry. Now you may come from a long line of tradition where in your view, we hired the pastor to do the ministry. But here's the deal. I'm a believer. I'm saved. I need to use my gifts. I need to serve the Lord. I need to do ministry. But my job description in Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, He has given some to be Prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that the whole body may be built up. And so today, what we're hoping will happen is that you'll be strengthened and you'll have gifts and you'll be able to go do ministry in the lives of others. 
this summer, Carla and I were at a wedding, and I was doing this ceremony for a wedding, a couple that came here with jobs, um, the, the, the individuals, they met each other and engaged and were married this summer. I was asked to do the wedding. It was in Ballground, Georgia. You know, y'all know where that, north of here, a couple of hours away, depending on traffic. It was Ballground, Georgia. So we drive a couple of hours, and we're staying in Canton. And that night, we get to the rehearsal on Friday night, and and we look around in the room, and we look over, and we see Kurt and Michelle Bennett. Who's Kurt and Michelle Bennett? What are they doing in the room? Kurt and Michelle Bennett go to our church. They have wife and family and do jobs in our area. They're part of our church. Here's what Kurt and Michelle Bennett. We have this ministry called Right Start. It's a seven or eight week course. It's starting soon for individuals that feel like they're about to get married or couples that are engaged. Well, they go to those classes, but we take couples in our church and we match couples up with those engaged couples and they meet with them several times and they just pour life into them, mentoring them before they're married and for a few times after they're married. And what happened when we got up there as the professionals <laughs> to do the ceremony, there's this couple from our church at rehearsal next day at the wedding because as followers of Jesus Christ at our church, they're out there doing the work of ministry. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And there's several couples that are investing in other couples like that, doing that. And that's just one example of a lot of different ways that when our strategy is to gather together, equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Third is encourage. You talk about a day that the church is needed. Listen, friends, we're, we're living in a world where people all around you need the encouragement of, the, of believers. And when we gather here today, when you walk away, my hope is, is that you got up, you, you went to bed last night, hardly could wait to get here this morning, but you leave in just a little bit going out in the world, can't wait to live for Jesus this coming week. That somehow you're strengthened and you're encouraged and you've sang and you've prayed and you've heard the word and you've obeyed and you go back out and you're encouraged, just again, like Hebrews 10 says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together, but encourage one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. And then here's the last piece, send. We're sending you out. We're not going to stay here until next week. We need you to leave. We need you to go. We need you to pull out into that street. And from Watkinsville, Georgia to Walkerville, Australia, we need you to go. And, 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 and take the gospel, take the good news to wherever God is sending you with him. Number five, we have fundamentals. We have a purpose, we have a mission, we have values, we have a game plan. Thinking about game plan, I, I brought this basketball. Love basketball. Big part of our family. I just think it's cool that they put my son's name on every one of their uh, <laughs> basketballs. And... Um, and, and, and in basketball, you think, you take a coach, what's the, what's the purpose of a basketball team? Win championships. What's the mission? Win games. Uh, what's the strategy? Score more points than the other team. If you score more points than the other team and win enough games, you'll win championships. But the coach doesn't just walk up to the players and roll a ball out and say, go score more points. A good coach is going to say, 
fundamentals. And he would say, let's work today on passing. Let's work today on dribbling. Let's work today on shooting. Let's work today on rebounding. Let's work today on guarding. And if you get the fundamentals of dribbling and passing and shooting and guarding and rebounding down, there's a strong chance you're going to score more points than the other team, win games, and then win championships. As we do life as a church, there are fundamentals. There's seven of these. Worship, evangelism, discipleship, prayer and care and service and giving. Seven fundamentals. When we gather and equip and encourage and send, we got to make sure that we're worshiping in spirit and truth. Evangelism, that we're practicing the fundamentals of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Discipleship, living life on life with others so that we'll grow and be accountable. Praying, talking to God, listening to God, calling out to God to work through us, expressing our dependence on Him. Care, hear me, hear me. We can sing the songs, we can preach the word, we can form discipleship groups, we can even give and plug people into service. But friends, if our hearts don't care for one another, we've missed who the church is. We said a few weeks ago that care is not always organized, but it is always prioritized. And, and we want to make sure, whether organized or not, that we're paying attention to the needs of other people and loving them through life. Service. Do you know that you've been given gifts? When you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and the Spirit of God came to live in you, 1 Corinthians tells us that we receive spiritual gifts, supernatural ability to be able to do the work that God wants done. You have gifts to, 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 to plug in to service for his glory and giving it's a fundamental you read through the new testament and you see the new churches that paul planted are the new churches that he revisited there was this offering that was always being received or always being delivered and they, it was a part of of who they were to give of their resources even in poverty to meet the needs of others fundamentals number six we are a people with and ability. You think about basketball and we say, man, that team's great. They, they got a lot of natural ability. A lot of natural ability. What are we saying? We're saying that nobody even had to coach them. They just, they're able to run, jump, think. There's just natural ability for the sport. Do you know that you and I cannot keep doing church in this day with just natural ability. Evangelism, not about natural ability. Serving, it's not about natural ability. Worship, not about natural ability. What is our ability? When you're born, you get natural ability. When you're born again, you get supernatural. And the way that you and I teach, serve, give, use our gifts, disciple, is through supernatural ability. Every, every deacon's meeting, 
I, I, I think I can say this. Every deacon's meeting that I've walked into as a pastor, when I'm walking toward the door for that meeting, I've prayed, Lord Jesus, let your spirit fill this room, fill these men, and don't let anything happen here outside of your power and your strength. When we come together, when I, when I walk up on stage, I, I'm not the first one to do this. I read it from somebody else. But I'm saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I can't tell stories. I can't tell. I can't explain. I can't apply in a way that will in many even get you to Monday. It's only by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit working in the hearts and lives of other people that we can accomplish our mission in order to fulfill our purpose. Now, when you think about ability, in uh, Matthew 28, Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always. In Acts 1.8, he said to the disciples, Go make witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Before he told them to be my witnesses, Jesus said, Stay in Jerusalem. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be we make a big deal out of going. It may be for some of us in the room this morning, you need to make a big deal out of staying. And just stay long enough before the Lord and say, Lord, I've been going in my own strength, trying to do ministry in my own power, trying to accomplish things that matter for eternity through my own ability. Would you today fill me first with the power of your spirit? Control me. And get the staying right so we can get the going right. It's our supernatural ability. And number seven, we have a vision. And our vision, you can boil it down to one word, life. You can boil it down to one phrase. It's all about life. And, and our, 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 our vision is, is that as people gather and are equipped and encouraged and are sent, that people come to know the life of Jesus Christ. And I, I would describe it as being the eternal life of Jesus becomes the everyday life in the life of every person we encounter. Look this way for just a moment. Maybe you don't grab a hold of anything else. I think this is critical for us today. There is one great gift from our Heavenly Father. And it's life. The great gift from God is life. Stay with me. There is one evil goal of Satan. And that's death. Jesus said, I have come that you may have what? Life. And life abundantly, or life to the full. Next breath. But the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. What am I saying? What I'm saying is, folks, listen. There is more going on in this world than what you can see with your eyes. We're in a war. We are in spiritual war. 
We're not, our, our ultimate war is not with another nation. It's with the powers and principalities of this dark world that are raging in the heavenlies. And the enemy wants to take your life. I just heard yesterday of a guy that I had only met once through a fraternity brother. We played golf together two years ago. Randy Cox told me yesterday, this guy that we played golf with there took his own life this summer. And he did it because of what was said last week. He lost his way. Telling you, the enemy wants your life. He wants your kid's life. He wants your life. If he can't get your eternal life, he'll do whatever he can to wreck your now life. He will steal from your now life. He will rob you from your now life. He wants your life. And what you and I have to offer in this War, what you and I have to offer to this world is life. Life that can be abundant here and life that will be eternal forever with Him. It's all about life. And Jesus has come so that you may have life and so that you, those that you live among may also know this life. That they may be able to pass from death, say it with me, from death to life. That's what our vision is. What's our map? Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. For us, it's, it's our neighbors and the nations. It's our neighbors and the nations. It's Watkinsville and the world. According to Acts 1-8, it's locally, nationally, and globally. That's our map. Wherever we go, we're on mission let me give you two images. Maybe a list like this just doesn't communicate to you. Let me give you two images. When I think about our church, this helps me. The very first image I think of is an aircraft carrier. I read that an aircraft carrier now is the central piece to strategic warfare. Where there's going to be battle, where there's going to be war, they place that aircraft carrier and battleships. You see even in that image uh, ships that are around that and then you see the planes and underneath the aircraft carrier like that will hold 5,000 plus people and 100 planes. And what happens on that deck? Those pilots are assigned a mission and they take off and they go complete their mission and then they come back and they refuel and they recharge and they're repaired and then they're reassigned and they go back out again and they complete their mission and they come back and they're repaired and refueled and refreshed and reassigned and they go back out again and they fight the war going out coming back and I think about our church that's, 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 you, you've landed on the deck. Some of you felt like that jet. And you just you came in here so fast and so hurried. It's like you just slow me down long enough to get me stopped. You'll be refueled and refreshed and repaired and reassigned to go back out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the rest of the week. And complete the mission and come back and go again and come back and go again. Here's the second image. We talk about our church being a river. 
We say we believe that we're a place where people flow through here because of the university, because of ages, because of season of life, because of the kind of jobs that are here. People come, they stay for a little while, and then they go. And here's what we're praying and hoping. When somebody comes here, they'll get a a love for the local church. They'll experience the life and the health of a local church, and they'll keep flowing to another place. And and they're, they're looking for where they can be life in another church. They're looking for what they can do for Jesus wherever they go, wherever they land. We're a river. Now, let me wrap up with an ask. It's more than information. There is an ask. And I want to ask you for two things today. I want to ask you, number one, to believe and be baptized. All of this stuff that I'm sharing today, it starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been here for a long time, but you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe today. Call out to him from the chair you're in. Lord Jesus, I've sinned. Forgive me. I want to turn from my idols like Thessalonica did. I want to turn from my idols and I want to follow you with my whole heart. Be saved today. Then what? Be baptized. Be baptized. Baptism is a public announcement outwardly of what's happened privately inwardly. Some of you maybe this morning saved. Be baptized. Let me know about it. Some of you saved 10 years ago. We practice believer's baptism. That means that you trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then biblically, you follow the Lord in baptism. You, you believe and then you're baptized. How do, I, how do I do that? Email me. Send me a note. Find me after the service. Carlos at Watkinsville.org. Send me a note. Pastor, I just prayed to receive Christ. Pastor, I want to be baptized. Pastor, I was saved a long time ago, but I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Let's talk about it. Let's set it up. Believe and be baptized. And here's the second ask. Participate. Participate. A girl approached me this morning in the first, after the first service, and she said, I just moved to Athens from St. Louis, Missouri to begin my Ph.D. in math. I'm going to be here for five years. I thought to myself, you need Jesus. I mean, you need, you need a church. You, need, you got five years of math. Oh. But she was her first Sunday in Athens. And she said, I want to ask you some questions about your church. You know what I heard in those questions? I want to participate. I'm saying to you, participate. Use the gifts that God has given to you. Live on mission and let God use you with a purpose to accomplish his mission. Last thing. Maybe a list doesn't work. Maybe pictures doesn't work. Maybe basketball doesn't work. Let me try one more thing. I want to read you a letter. A card that we got in our mailbox here at church two weeks ago. From the very start, I love the way this letter's handwritten, and it just says Watkinsville. It doesn't say Watkinsville staff. It, it, it just, it, just first word, Watkinsville, comma. This letter is overdue, but I wanted to reach out and say thank you, underline. 
As a recent graduate of the University of Georgia, I have taken some time to reflect on my college experience. Hands down, the best decision I made in college was getting plugged into this church, sitting under biblical teaching, serving in the youth, and finding community in the college ministry was such a gift. I left Athens loving Jesus more because of this church. I pray this letter serves as an encouragement to not grow weary of doing good. Thank you for being a church that gives, goes, serves, loves, and keeps the gospel center in Christ. Amen? That's a championship right there. That's a win. That's a win. you imagine, parents, if your children call you and they say, I I'm graduating and I want you to know that the best decision I ever made while I was in college, mom, dad, was a church. A church. In the next few days, the city's going to fill with students. Go to them and invite them to church. This property's going to fill with people. Go to them and invite them to come do life with you. Invite your neighbors. Share the gospel with a friend. We have a purpose. We have a mission. Let's take life to this world. Father, help us. Give us supernatural ability to bring glory to you so that we can see letters like that over and over and over and over again until we see you. In Jesus' name, amen.